Hey loves, welcome back to Strip Down. I'm so excited for today. I already had this amazing woman on my podcast and you guys loved her, sent me so many messages about her and what she was sharing and what we shared together. I have Sarah back from Bundle Birth, board certified labor and delivery nurse, certified childbirth educator, certified education counselor within lactation, labor nurse and birth coach. I mean, like, you know, YouTuber, like this, this woman does it all in the birth community. Like, let me tell you. And she has been known to help so many pregnant women and their partners decrease their anxiety about childbirth, have a confident, empowered birth experience. And especially right now with what's going on, I'm like, okay, Sarah, you got to come back on my show. So Sarah, welcome back down to strip. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be back and continue this conversation given the fact that things have uh, shifted a little bit. I I mean, you and I were saying, you know, right before we started recording, like, uh, you know, birth plans shake up a little bit. You always tell me flex and flow and I've heard that from the birth community. This is like, I don't know, this is a way different level. This is like flex and flow and wiggle and bend and backflip and twist Right. And then all while well pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I, I was venting to you before we started, but this is a very hard time to be mm-hmm. pregnant. You know, um, I think it's especially a hard time for those that are getting close to deliver, like myself, you know, being 37 weeks plus. Um, but I think anybody really who's pregnant right now, newly pregnant, has, you know, fears and uncertainties. I've talked to pregnant mamas who are like in the middle and they still don't even know their poor baby's gender because they, you know, that's not essential mm-hmm. for an appointment. I mean, the stories are just heartbreaking right now yeah. in the mom community, um, you know, and, and everything. So, you know, you're always so good about bringing a positive light to everything, even when things are not so positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I need your, I need your good vibes. I need your light. I need you to come on and like, let's just talk about all this because yeah, mom, mama's struggling a little bit over here. Not going to mm-hmm. lie. Yeah, of course you are, because especially, and even we said before that, like, we recorded back in February, and, like, the world was completely different, and how much has changed in such a short amount of time. Change in general is hard. We were in person, hugging, Mm -hmm. like, talking, laughing, like, now we're on Zoom, like, you know, recording, like, we're sheltered at home. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's wild. Well, and for you with your birth preferences, you had put together and we had talked about how you had put together this pretty solid plan that you felt very confident about that was different than last time, but you were like, yep, this is the right choice for me. And we talked about like how to make those decisions. And now some of those preferences have been stripped away a little bit for you, yeah. you know, right. and that's real. That's grief. That's loss. And what we're experiencing is grief and loss, you know, and it's, it's the death quote unquote of your, of some of your dreams and some of the plans and, and changes hard in general. But when we've experienced so much change, like, and it's not just with pregnancy and birth, it's life, it's lifestyle, it's job loss, it's uncertainty about the future. It's, Oh, what about like, I have a wedding the, in, in three months, like, am I going to be able to get married? You know, like there's on top of pregnancy. One of my best friends just canceled or postponed. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a call the other day from a friend that I was supposed to be in, be going to her wedding in a couple months and they got married. 
they just did it, you know, yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. Congrats. Yeah. I so, know. you know, all of that change, of course that's hard. And so I think we need to acknowledge that like, it's okay that it's hard and it's okay to acknowledge how we feel. Now, mind you, when that turns into a stress anxiety, just stirring pot, that's when it has negative effect on the body and on your actual experience. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'd love to work through with you. I've been like desperate to talk to you because I want to help you set some new expectations of what, what is possible, what maybe isn't possible and talk through, you know, what's changed in the time of Corona now, yeah, too, you know? Well, and like I said to you before we started recording, Thank God between the petitions and everything else going on for the most part, most hospitals, my hospital, St. John's, UCLA, they're all bringing back partners back in for labor and delivery and Cedars said postpartum. So that's starting to look like that's starting to trans mm -hmm. over other hospitals. Thank yep. God. Um, you know, which we saw, especially in New York, a massive overturn when they took away the partners and had a, the governor actually get involved and mandate um, and so, you know, it's, it's so good to see that they are starting to see the importance of maternal health and that it is necessary to have the partner there and to figure things out. And of course, keep things safe, but to still be able to, you know, be with your partner and have support because let's be real. That's so huge, not just for the birth, but it's for the labor, for everything you go through. And like, oh, you know, completely. I mean, massive and sadly, the doulas have been seen as visitors, which is bullshit, um, and no longer, uh, yeah, <laughs> real feelings, um, oh, yeah. and and no, you know, and 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 are seen as visitors, which I just find insane because I'm like, you know, they're not mm -hmm. a visitor, like right. you know, they're not, right? You know, it's true. and they hopefully are contributing to the care team and making your lives easier. Right. Well, and the nurse is easier because they're helping. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like people. the medical people, it makes your life easier to have us there. Hopefully. hopefully. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you're mm -hmm. the right doula, yourself, Stacey, my doula, like people mm -hmm. that are trained and really know how to handle those situations and have worked in hospital and home and all these things, they are essential in the sense of helping the mother and they help move things along within the team, doctor, nurse, whatever of what's going on. So it's like, I understand what they're doing, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't believe they've removed the doulas from, you know, from, from this piece. And I know that's why even you, like you got so quick on, you know, your feet and started recording mm -hmm. about it and doing classes and online and all those things. And we'll link those obviously in the show notes, but I mean, you went to work quick to like, oh, how girl. do I, how do I support? How do I fix, you know, you know, Stacey too. She's like, okay, how do I make manuals? You know, it's like, because it's so necessary because just because we don't have them physically, it's like, like you said, the, the loss, like I have been crying over the fact that like, I won't have Stacy there to like move me around and to help me get through my surges and contractions and, you know, all these things. And I think there's so many pregnant moms right now that are feeling that like between their partners and their doulas and their support. It's like, yes, we're warriors. And yes, I know they say we can do it alone. And I've seen some moms do it alone and more, more power to them. And I think that's amazing. But at the same time, I think it's so fucked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you and I, you're right. I mean, when I, when all of the changes started happening and then very quickly, it was within days actually that they outlawed that second person, which would be me. Um, with all of my clients, you talk about like, I was on call for people that a couple that I had worked with since they were like nine weeks pregnant mm -hmm. and their entire pregnancy, they were expecting me to be there. And so right. we had to shift gears, you know? 
So yeah, of course. Um, now mind you what, of course my positive spin and where I went to work and I just was like, okay, well we can either let this completely control us or we can deal with what's in front of us and we can sit and go like, oh, and we can mope or we can say like, all right, how do we make them be proactive to anticipate different needs and how do we, how do we really be intentional about making the most of the situation we've been presented with, you know, and I, I was, I was had doulas writing me like, I'm just going to show up and they can, they can, they can do what they want with me then. And I'm like, Mm, not the best idea, you know, like your job is to keep the peace and we yeah. are in the middle of an actual like global pandemic here. So like, we want to be respectful of the rules and, you know, and do our part. Um, but I would say, I just want, I want to remind you and anybody else who's listening that not all is lost. And I know that it feels like, especially with the amount of change and with the rules, especially like, thank God, yes, you have your partner. So we're going to hold on to that. Yes. But I see this as an opportunity for the partners to really step up and step into their role. They can no longer depend on that doula in the room. And mind you, I say that like the physical doula in the room, because you are going to have her virtually. And my clients still have me virtually. I sat for like 36 hours. I had a 36 hour FaceTime call without a break in it from a birth I did a couple weeks ago. You know, and, and to be honest, like from the births that I've done, cause I've done four in the time of Corona, I'm currently on call for two with another in the works before I go to Minnesota for my sister's birth. birth. Um, you know, and honestly, there is an element of, of course, loss, but there is something really cool about the fact that you guys, you and your partner, whoever that is, are so dependent on one another, yet you still have the resource in the room. So with positioning or with movement or with different suggestions, I'm going to verbally tell you that if I was laboring with you in person, I'd be like, Hey, how does that feel? And you go, well, I have this weird pain in my hip and I, I don't know, I don't like standing. So I'd rather not stand. And I'd say, okay, well, let's try this instead. Right. You can still do all of that with your, with your doula. And it's not the same for laying hands. And it's not the same, like, especially from a doula perspective, or in my case, a birth coach perspective, that there's a certain element of comfort from my side of things of being able to just lay hands and when they're, and there's so much time in labor where like, you're not totally talking and like you get in the zone and it's just, you're sitting and you're waiting and like, you're, you're giving water and like rubbing backs and just like being present, touching, touching your hair. If you're open to that, like foot essential oils, whatever, keeping the mood, like, of course there are those things. And so the adaptation, what I've been trying to prep my patients for my clients for is the fact that like, there is a little bit of an expectation that when I'm on FaceTime with you, I personally, I feel kind of bossy <laughs> and I'm weighing the like, do I say something? Do I not? You know? And yet I'm like, you know, grab your lights. Can you, is there, is there someone that could dim the lights there? And the partner is on. Whereas back to what I was saying to start, it's like when I am in the room with patients or with my, my clients, I think there's an element of like, that comfort, which is good, but where the partner can just be like, oh, well, she's going to do it. Oh, she does it better. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm not totally confident about that. So like you just do it instead. She likes it better from you. Whereas when you remove that, there's an opportunity for the two of you to really feel like, oh 
my God, we did this together versus it was my doula, you know, and not to say that like, you're still going to be so grateful that you have her as a resource. And I would hope that my clients are as well, but the difference is the hands-on, yeah. you know, and, and you can still, I mean, I know before we were talking too about your, you're talking about like, she was going to set the mood, set your own mood and have that as a tangible thing that your husband can do for you while you're, while you're laboring, you know, and that when you get in the hospital, that it's like, you have time to settle in and, and really like get comfortable there and make your space and connect with one another, that there's no like third party breaking the intimacy between you. Like you can really have your own moments. Um, so, and I know that feels like a lot of pressure for partners and whatnot, but that's to me how I see it on the positive light of where this provides an opportunity for you to still have the resource, still have the reference point, still be like, oh, or like, I mean, literally my poor, my poor neighbors at 4am when I'm ha with me, ha, <laughs> breathe down, let me hear you, ha, you can do this. Or like, I'm rocking and swaying in my living room and I'm up like, leaning off the couch with the phone and my butt in the air, like I'll do whatever, you know? <laughs> and, and yet it's, there's still value in that, you know? And I mean, my clients have said like, we could have never done this without you. Like you were right there with us. And I'm like, perfect. That, right. That's where, you know, especially for somebody who I've seen so much birth that like, I don't even need to be on FaceTime. I can hear little noises <laughs> here and there in the room and I know exactly what's happening. Right. You know, or the medical talk. I'm like, okay, that okay, and this is coming up. Well, I know, even earlier today when I was texting you, we were figuring out getting on uh, here, and I was supposed yeah. to do it this morning with you, and I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, I Rex and Hicks and nauseous, and you're like, oh, good, your hormones are shifting. Like, yeah, your body's yeah. getting exactly. And that's the thing that that's that emotional support is still there, and that to me is the biggest value of having a hired birth professional to help you with, with your labor, you know, and for me particularly, it's the, it's the educational support, the like professional nursing education you bring along with you right. of knowing when to go to the hospital and, you know, and saying like, <laughs> I mean, I was at a birth re at, see here, I was there in my head. <laughs> I was quote unquote at a, at a birth and the, I was on FaceTime and she could see my face. They came in and suggested something. And I, I kind of made a face, I guess. I didn't even know, but I was like, like I like that's an right. interesting like suggestion. you genuinely reacted yeah yeah and she like saw it and was like uh hold on one second can we can we talk more about that uh can we blah 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 and sure enough I mean I was like this this is not indicated this is being a little bit hyper and so you know I didn't say that to her but I'm like okay you know and ask this question and honestly we were texting and I was like you know literally in quotes ask this question and she asked the question and sure enough, literally the care team came to the, their own conclusion. Like, well, actually, I think we can wait off. She right. didn't even need to say it because she was told how to ask the right question. Gotcha. So stuff like that, that like, I just, I want to affirm you that I know that there's so much change, but especially like when you have the virtual support and even for those of you who don't, you weren't planning on having it anyway. So it's not a loss to you in that realm of things. Sure. And that there is still so much that can be maintained. And there's such an opportunity for your partner to step up and step into their role 
and really make a difference and really provide an experience for the two of you where you are so incredibly connected and bonded and in like a completely different way than would be possible otherwise. Right. Yeah. Well, and I want to talk about that with when you were saying like, um, you know, like at, at home, like, you know, helping like labor at home, that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's your perspective on that right now, as far as like how you talk to your provider? Cause like, as you know, and they know from listening to our last episode, like I'm going for my VBAC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so obviously before all this was happening, our world changed. I had my doula, I had, you know, my OB and my husband, the whole thing. And originally Dr. Brock was like, because you're doing a VBAC, I'd rather you come in right in the beginning. Like as soon as, you know, like labor essentially hits, I want you to come in. Now, you know, I haven't seen him yet because they're staggering, you know, appointments. I'll see him next week. But at my checkup, you know, I'm going to say to him, like, I would really like to labor at home. So I have my doula and have that support as well as so that I give my body a chance to really get into labor so that I'm not hopefully at the hospital that long. Mm -hmm. And I also feel confident, like my body's doing what it needs to do. And I'm not waiting for the beginning. Like, what is, what are your thoughts on that? What's your perspective? How do you handle your provider? Cause I, oh my God, I I feel like I'm going to go in with a hundred questions next week. (laughs) Which you might, and he's probably expecting that. Um, you know, I would, first of all, I would just voice your concerns and say, Hey, look, I'm really stressed about this whole coronavirus thing. I really want to avoid the hospital. I'm sure that you want me to avoid the hospital because we want to avoid as many germs as possible. Right. And so when he says, and this is where I'd put him on the spot, when he says, I want you to come in as soon as labor hits, what does that mean? Because you could be having contractions here and there and think you're not in labor right? They're still irregular. You're like, I'm not really sure. But by labor hits in theory, right? That is when you're having regular painful contractions that have progressed from like a sporadic, like, Ooh, to a holy moly, hold on. I'm breathing. I am needing some support. I'm doing my thing, but maybe they're kind of spaced out still. You know, so I would clarify with him because if it's at the first sign of contractions, I guarantee you that's not what he means. Okay. So what that probably means is once your contractions are regular and painful and they've progressed in a certain way where it appears as if you're in labor versus for somebody that's not a VBAC, maybe they would say that like, yeah, you can come in when your contractions are at, they'll say five minutes. And honestly, guys, I just put out a YouTube video today of sure signs of labor and so go there because there's like great tips in there for this because it's a little more complicated than in numbers. But okay, I'll link it. If you come in at five minutes apart as a first time mom, I worked triage for years and years where I'd see you come in and I, you always send them home. Always. Like if you told me your contractions were five minutes apart, I'd be like, mm, okay, perfect. You're one to two centimeters max, you know? So for a first time mom that's not a VBAC, I usually tell them two to three minutes apart for at least two hours. And even then, who knows if you're actually in active labor? I labored at home with a couple for nine hours with contractions like that. And she went in and she was five. Mind okay. you, I did check her because yeah. now I have permission to do that. I've yeah. like put together a whole new thing. That's thanks to coronavirus. <laughs> and so I would just clarify what's the criteria. And for a VBAC, they're going to be a little less conservative wait, a little more conservative, like instead of two to three minutes, he may say, once your contractions are every five minutes, get an actual criteria from him 
And there, but you also know that you could have Braxton Hicks every five minutes for an hour and you're like sitting there talking through them. Oh yeah. That's not labor, you know? So you're going to, you're going to clarify with him that it's, you're huffing and puffing. They've been progressing over time. And guess what? That means laboring at home. You're waiting until they've become regular. You may not be showing up at six centimeters. You may show up at three to four, but that's, that's the safety piece that he cares about. As long as they're regular, you've still done some of that laboring at home. You're watching for signs, vaginal bleeding or like sudden sharp pain or pain on your incision. Um, and if you have any of those, you're going in and then you're waiting till you hit his criteria. Right. You know, okay. so those are kind of the questions you ask your OB if you're in this position and you are, mm-hmm. have been planning on your VBAC and everything you're doing. That's kind of how you handle yep. it. And I would say too, for whether you're a VBAC or not to get that criteria from them, you know, and I give my criteria, but there's always the caveat of, well, but whatever your doctor says, cause they know you best. So just understand that, that people get more often than not real excited about their contractions. And they're like, yeah, I think this is it. And if they're thinking that it's it and there's like not a for sure, that, 100%, yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, I was like, oh, I think it's contraction. It's like, yeah, let's talk through them. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> right. And then once it actually happens, you're like, oh, oh, oh okay. yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we have to be honest about what your sensations are, but then that's where you get to maintain and still control some of the, some of what you wanted by laboring at home with your doula, by going in maybe a little earlier, but guess what? You go in a little earlier you set the mood, you get super comfortable, you get to know your nurse so they're not a stranger to you. And you'll actually come to find out that they're probably going to be really helpful to you and may provide a little bit of that like hands-on support that your doula would otherwise. And then you're not rushing in on, for instance, like back to your story on a a home birth transfer or birth center transfer, transfer to the hospital, wherever you're coming from, um, like whoever you are, in a, in a fury where it's like this, ah, this is my expectation. You know, your expectations, there's no surprises. And then you set your mood, you connect with your partner, you keep laboring and you're laboring, right? That's the message with VBAC is you're laboring. You're not VBACing. Right. You're laboring. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like with that, with laboring, so like my, you know, so Stacy and I have been going over, you know, like my birth references at the hospital. And so, and I know you talked about this in one of your two, your YouTube videos too, is like asking for like the intermittent, intermittent monitoring versus, I can't say that word today, um, versus the, you know, like the full blown, like being mm-hmm. hooked up and like not able to move mm-hmm. and all of those things. How do you like, I guess, suggest, you know, when you're there at the hospital, you know, and they're potentially trying to put interventions or trying to you know, say certain things to you. How do you handle that when you don't maybe have, you know, your dual of like you have obviously the preferences you wrote out with them and you have it, you know, with you because you're supposed to obviously have that. But right. how do you kind of manage that and handle that so that you are feel like you still can do the things that you wanted that were preferences when your dual was going to be there physically? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and my perspective would be that it, even if I personally, and my kind of philosophy on how I function is that even if I was there, my job is to help you speak up for yourself. So she may still be on FaceTime and, you know, or I've been on FaceTime and I've been like, did you want to ask about this? 
you know, and I'm, I'm prompting you to ask the question or when they're out of the room, I'll be like, okay, so I know we talked about this when she comes back, let's mention X, Y, Z, you know? Um, the other thing is that I think, I think, yes, knowing what's important to you, but then also understanding what's realistic for a VBAC. I will just say (laughs) that intermittent monitoring won't be probably something that is an option unless you discuss it with Brock ahead of time. And it would more be continuous but portable monitoring. So like a sticker on your belly. That's what I yeah, that's what I mean. Like being able to move and be Yeah, yeah. And I would just say be in the shower, you know. Yeah. And I honestly that we have to go from a human connection standpoint. Like I think a lot of times we think hospitals are like this scary, sterile place. When really like these are human beings whom who in theory care about you, right? And I'm gonna believe that they do. And so it would I would just approach it that look, here's the deal. I'm really nervous. I had, I had this whole dream. I had a really rough birth the first time around. It was a transfer. And so what I'd really love to do is recreate some of the same vibe as I would have at home, but here, meaning limiting interventions. I I just like not being bugged, keeping, keeping as many visitors out, keeping the lights low. None of this is foreign to them. None of it. Okay. But, but are they more, but, but are they less open to it because of the chaos and everything that's going on? Not right? at all. Okay. Not at all. Once you are there, you will feel like you forget that coronavirus is happening in the world. You cocoon yourself in your room. You set your mood, you turn on your music, you turn off your news for sure. Yeah. And you labor. Honestly, they are, they, they've been doing this now for months and, and, to be honest, every single patient I've worked with, every FaceTime I've been on, they wear masks. So that's a little like alarming rather than like the smiles that you normally see. Past that, nothing else changes. And if they are taking care of somebody that's COVID positive, they're going to be only having that patient and not going between rooms. So they're going to feel real great about the fact that you don't have it. So they just, I mean, it's exactly the same. There is very little that has changed. As far as perspective goes. And honestly, uh, even for Cedars, I can speak to Cedars. Um, I I mean, a bunch of my friends, like I would say the majority of my friends are labor and delivery nurses there and none of them are stressed. They're like, okay, we figured it out. We have our system. We have our PPE. I mean, mind you, like, of course they're stressed, but it's like you're past the initial crisis mode. Uh It's like, people are like, well, it is what it is. We're doing what we're doing. And I show up to work. And if I have somebody that's positive, we figure it out. Right. You know, and that's it. That is it. It's not as dramatic as it needs to be. And that's where like, I think easily anxiety kicks in Yeah, where the well, well, but, well the but. like fueling all yeah, like, yeah, myself included anxious and fearful and everything else. And then it makes you think like when you're going in, like, Oh my gosh, like what am I going to be dealing with? Like, you know, what's going to happen? And it, right. it does, it, it makes everything spin so much more. And I've been having to like journal and meditate. I mean, I always do, but I've been having to do it so much more lately because mm-hmm. I feel that consistently. And I know we talked about even before all this, just how fear in general can slow down labor and can, you know, mess with different things. So I've been trying to yeah, really yeah. good about releasing, you know, that fear, but it is a real mm-hmm. fear for myself yeah. and for many others that are listening. What are you afraid of? Oh my gosh. There's so many, but, um, okay. <laughs> top three. <laughs> top three. Um, okay. Um, that, you know, for whatever reason, well, first off, like I've heard, and I don't even know if this is true. I've heard the minute you walk in, like you have, you're tested for, uh, COVID-19 and 
Um, and like, and I've heard that test is pretty awful. I mean, I don't know. Um, but you know, that's what I've heard. And then like, you know, quote, my fear of course is like, oh my gosh, somehow, you know, somehow even though we've been sheltered at home, like, you know, he'll have it or I'll have it or something. And then everything will go, you know, um, awry. Um, mm -hmm. secondly, like I've, I've heard about, um, moms, uh, that I like, I know decently personally, um, who had like epidurals and then had a fever, uh, spike and because of the medicine, not because they actually had something, but because the nurse like, was in like yeah. panic mm -hmm. mode, you know, they made a whole ordeal and like testing and like the whole thing. And then, you know, and then when the baby was born, she couldn't see her baby right away. And it was like, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, one of the moms, they took the baby away from her for like the first day. Um, and then they realized like, oh no, she's fine. It was the medication spiking her, not her actually having something. And it's like, I get it. These precautions are precautions, but at the mm -hmm. same time that does fuck with you. And that does, you know, that so those are things that like you normally would not worry about right. you know, when you are having your baby mm -hmm. and laboring, you know? So I think like those things, the mass, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, it sucks, but like, yeah, they have to wear them and whatever. But me personally, like I said to Justin, I'm like, I'm going to talk to Dr. Rock next week. I don't know, you know, what the policy is, but like, I personally, when I wear a mask, even just go to the doctor's office for a checkup within 20 minutes, I feel like I'm going to pass out. Like, there's no way I can labor you know, especially if it's a long labor with a mask on like that, you know? And so like questions, I guess, around that. And of course, the fear of that of like, are you supposed to wear it? Or, you know, are, are you not? Like, of course, everyone around you should, I get that. But yeah, there's just a lot of, you know, um, I, I understand why a lot of people are switching to home birth, you know? I mean, like I was talking to Dr. Elliot Berlin this morning and he was saying, it's like crazy. It's almost like a revolution. How many people have switched in the last you know, month, two months already booking people out for June and July and right. you know, midwives are becoming beyond inundated. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it, it makes sense to me because you mm -hmm. are in your space and in your bubble. Right. Right. Well, and you can have who you want there. Of course. You know? Right. Uh, now, mind you, you don't know where the people that are coming into your house have been as well and of what course. infection control protocols are there, right. but it's the, it's the vibe, right? It's the right. labor vibe. It's the, right. I don't have to go anywhere. It's the, all of the appeal of home birth in general that was there before um, right. steroids. Now that you're like, I really yeah. want to avoid the hospital. Right. Exactly. And I think a lot of people have messaged me saying like, it's something they're considering because they don't want to, you know, deal with the hospital and all the policies and they want to be in their own space. They don't want to have to remove also like if they have other children, you know, all these different things that are a piece to this now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I mean, I understand completely, you know, and for me, I mean, of course I'm going to be biased because I've worked in a hospital and I've worked on the high risk OB units where I've seen everything. Yeah. Um, and the, all the things that no one really wants to talk about, including myself. <laughs> and so, you know, the idea, do I trust birth? Of course. Like I labor at home with people, just us. And of course, like I promote physiologic birth. I teach nurses about it. Like that's my thing, you know? Um, but I think that people need to make an educated decision. This goes back to that first episode that we did, like that your decisions are not made out of fear, that that will never be a productive decision. Your, your decisions have to be made out of full education, understanding both sides, you know? And for, I mean, even for you, I was thinking like, well, what's worse, you know, being there, setting the mood, knowing where you're going or trying the home birth and doing a transfer. Right. 
you know, and like that may help you make a decision. And, and that's where those types of, of playing it out a little bit and then understanding the, the risk of home birth, especially for a VBAC. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as the risk is low, and even I talk about that in my VBAC class that like we're less than 1% uterine rupture. Right. But how will you feel if you had a uterine rupture at home that could have been managed in the hospital setting and you were home and something catastrophic happened? Right. Is it worth it to you? You know, and there's not, it's not a 0% risk, but you know, is the risk high? No. And are there midwives that will do it? Yeah. But that's, that's where like you're, that you're weighing information. You're not saying, ah, 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 oh, I have to do this now. And it's this like stressful, sporadic, non-well-educated decision, you know, understand both sides. And for some, they may choose to do the, the HVAC, the, the home birth after vaginal. Well, I have a few moms who just did and they had successful HVACs at home and they said they felt it was very undisturbed and they were able to do what they needed to do. You know, and they said the midwives, you know, do them all the time. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're known just like how Brock's known as a, you know, the VBAC king over for the hospital they're known as like the HVAC queens for midwives and, you know, and so, you know, they were like, Oh, it was amazing. And I'm so glad I did it. So it's just very interesting on both ends to hear different experiences and to hear different perspectives, obviously, because um, obviously everyone has different opinions, but it's just interesting to hear from other moms on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's parenting, right? Mm -hmm. That like, you're constantly going to be faced with decisions that have outcomes. And be, you are gonna, we're all going to have to be accountable for all of our decisions. And, and again, they may be different than the next person, but you just, you want to make the decision that's best for you and your family. And you could choose to say, do a home birth, or you could choose to say, no, what's better for my family is to deliver in the hospital. And again, again, back to session one <laughs> is that, that, that really should be, as long as the education has been provided by the provider, that that's that's, then they let it go. And it is your responsibility then not to freak out on the provider for telling you that you could have a, a home birth when something goes wrong, you know, right. or vice versa. Right. Um, I'm sensing with you and correct me if I'm wrong, not to put you on the spot, but I'm totally about to put you <laughs> on the spot. Um, that there's some correlation with something in the hospital that disrupts you from possibly having a VBAC. Absolutely. 100%. So tell me more about that. Um, well, I think like we've talked about this and I know I've done a better job of letting go of Amelia's birth, but we've talked about heavily how, you know, processing the birth and everything. And, and I, and I have, and I think maybe because of what's going on more is kicking up. Um, and mm-hmm. so I've been trying to process those pieces in pieces, but it's definitely uh, been difficult. And, you know, and my, my dual Stacy has been doing that with me as well. But um, I think because I think about, not having Stacy there again physically mm-hmm. and being in the hospital and say the mood and everything's set up and everything's great. That's great. Okay. But then, you know, they are really pushing for interventions or trying to get me to, you know, lie down and on the epidural and all the Pitocin, as I told you in the first episode, when we even talked just the two of us and you were helping me talk through my birth experience, mm-hmm. you know, I relate that medicine. I relate that stagnant feeling that not feeling in control anymore not feeling empowered, um, not feeling like I could get through back to the hospital. And yes, I know obviously every hospital is different, everyone's different and all that, but you're correct in the sense of there is some relation. I couldn't even tell you what it is, but there is something, you know, in my mind for sure lately that's been playing out 
um, that is like around that. That's like, okay, well, last time when you were transferred to the hospital, as much as, you know, the birth center didn't work out as much as it didn't, you know, because I couldn't get past like six centimeters and I wasn't, you know, dialing further, you know, we had to go in for interventions, non-emergency and everything, but still, um, as soon as I got there, it was like, you know, immediate, like lay down on the bed, hook me up to the, you know, monitor, like, you know, you know, let's get her on the Pitocin, you know, and, and as soon as like that kicked in, Sarah, for me, it was like game over, even though I was still laboring, even though I was still trying to push in my mind, because the way it made me feel, and I still remember that feeling like to this day, like the, the, the way it made me feel, it was just like, that's how it felt game over. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is no longer going to be what I thought it was going to be. It was almost like how you were saying how you mourn the loss of what's going on right now. It was almost like I was mourning the loss or everything like I had left behind at the birth center. And I was just kind of laying there like feeling helpless. And so I think that's why I was saying that like their intermittent, you know, monitoring and all that is like, I think for me and the way like I handle things, like I need to have free movement. I need to be mm-hmm. able to like get in the water, whether it be the tub at Cedars or the shower at Cedars. Like, you know, I, I need to be able to feel free. It's who I am as a person. It's my personality. It's something I've learned about myself, birth, you know, all that. And so I think you're right in that sense. Like there is something at the hospital that maybe does trigger whatever that may be from the first birth. Mm -hmm. And almost like when you got there, your labor was then happening to you rather than within you. Yes. That's a really good um, analogy. Yeah. And it was almost like, um, besides that, it was almost like, you know, they're kind of telling me how it's going to go, even though I did have my birth team there at that time, because obviously everything was normal in the world. And I have my midwife and I have my jewel and everybody's there, my husband. And, you know, they're trying to help advocate for me and this and that. But it was like, I still felt like things were being shoved down my throat. It was happening to me, not within me, like you just said. That's actually a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, there's a million ways that I could go, go at this. Um, I think this is where understanding realistic expectations for your VBAC. If you haven't done the VBAC class yet, I you got to do, do the VBAC class because when you get to the second half, it literally talks you through exactly what to expect on each step. So when you get there and they put you on the monitor, you're like, oh, okay, this is the 20 minutes just to make sure baby is okay. This is a safety thing, right? And if you can connect it to a purpose, and also for a time frame, I'm not tied down forever. No one is, if you want to get up and you want to tear the, the monitors off your belly, you're a free person. Okay. No one is going to force you to do anything. And so there's, there's the, the, the expectation side. And then also the freedom side of claiming your freedom that you are a free person. No one can force you to do anything. This is your body. This is your baby. They are there to help keep you safe. That's where I just see, I see that affirmation on the wall for you that I am safe here, that that for you, especially like, we're going to assume you still decide to deliver in the hospital. I mean, we haven't, I don't even know what you'll do, but you know, but in general, you're, you're delivering in the hospital because you believe that you have a care team and you have the resources at your fingertips to keep you the safe, you and your baby the safest possible. Right. And so first of all, just reclaiming that in your mind of, I am safe here. I am in complete control that even though somebody's telling me you need, you need to do this, you could tell them no. 
Mind you, this is a life lesson, P.S., like for the, the old pushover that I used to be and now I'm growing into my own voice and I'm not pregnant, you know, <laughs> that this is, this, these are life lessons that like no one can force you to do anything, right? But they're giving you a strong recommendation because they're trying to keep you safe, not because they're trying to intervene. Let me just tell you from a nurse's perspective, I don't want to start Pitocin on you. I have to titrate that ish and I have to chart on you more often and I have to go and palpate your abdomen more than I would otherwise. And, you know, I mean, there's like, there's just, it's more work for me. Well, who wants to do more work when you don't have to do more work? Like, so I think even the perspective of like people being out to get you or that they just want to intervene, they're just trying to speed it up. That is dictated by your provider that you have set yourself up with. And for anybody else who's listening, whether you know your provider or not, you should be dictating your care. You have rights. You have the right to refuse. But again, we're not refusing out of fear. We're refusing out of full knowledge and information and full right. responsibility of your, of your options, right. you know? And so whether like you're on the monitor for 20 minutes and you're like, you know what? I am. I want to be able to move around. Can you make that happen for me? I want to be safe, but a huge priority to me is to move around. And I'm very concerned that if I can't move around, there is a correlation with movement for me that equals C-section. And let me just tell you the number of times I have come into a birth where she has stayed in the same position the entire day. The nurse has not turned her. She did not know any better. This is older in my career. Yeah. I come on and I'm like, how long you been like that? She's like, I don't know, since the morning. What? It's 7 p.m.? <laughs> and guess what? She still had her baby vaginally. Oh, good for her. So this is where like, I, I want to also offer perspective that does movement help? Yes. Does doula support help? Yes. But ultimately, Allie, you have absolutely everything you need inside of you. Everything else is extra. And that's where I want your mind to go as you prep for this upcoming, like literally any day birth that everything else is bonus. And I'm so grateful for all of the many, many resources that I've surrounded myself with. I don't need any of it because that power and that strength is within me. And not that you don't need it. Cause like, clearly you're going to take advantage of it, you know, yeah. and you're still going to benefit from it. But I think it's easy to like, even in doubting yourself and wondering your own strength and, and tapping into maybe some previous loss or disbelief in yourself from the previous birth that that easily gets covered up by, well, I'll have a doula this time or, well, I'll have, I'll have whatever it is, this yeah. option this time or whatever. When really you have everything you need inside of you, tap into your instincts, speak up, pause, or have like even a rule between you and your partner that like when something comes up, have him as a response look at you and go pause and think about this versus you're in labor land and you're like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Oh wait, what? Huh? And then you haven't even thought about it, you know, right. but having him prompt you or your doula prompt you virtually to like, how do you feel about this? How does that make you, how do, and you pause and you're like, you know, actually it totally makes sense that I get an epidural and that actually for me feels really good and like the right decision and how, how much courage it takes for you to speak up about what you need in that moment. And that may be an epidural that may not at all be an epidural. I mean, whatever. Right. right. Um, it's whatever you're in the moment needing. Right. Right. And so those interventions that like could come up, first of all, claiming your power that those, that's your decision. No one can force you to do anything. And if they do, it's assault. 
by forcing you uh, like to say, even place an IV, you know? Um, but that also that I think there, the mindset work now for you is that I am what I need. I am what my child needs. I have everything inside of me to do this and that I will have this feedback and, and my body will do it with me. Like, and, and almost that's your support. And not, and then there's the opportunity to connect with your baby, right? right? That like, I'm not alone in this, that this baby is inside of me maneuvering her way down and tucking and connecting and saying, wow, this is new. Wow. I like, I'm trying to make my way and how empowering that can be as well. And then you lean on those extra resources that you have, but there's a certain element of also trusting in the people around you until they've given you something to not trust. Right. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, that, I mean, that makes a, a lot of sense. I was going to ask you too, your opinion on, you know, because you know me, I'm not really big on medicine, how it makes me feel, especially didn't like how I felt, you know, when I was uh, laboring with Amelia. Uh, yeah. You know, um, when you are going, you know, for a VBAC and you are laboring, um, it, is there any correlation with if you get an epidural that it can throw things off as far as all that going on. Mm -hmm. So totally separate from VBAC. I don't know any like VBAC specific within epidural, but in general, just epidural and labor studies. I mean, you can find anything really, but in general to summarize that it does getting an epidural does make the pushing stage about 30 minutes longer. Um, so you typically push longer with an epidural than you would otherwise. Um, and then it more matters when you get the epidural than getting the epidural in general. And then this is going to be a case-by-case -case answer. So in general, this like studies wise, no, there isn't, there isn't a ton of, of research that shows that it slows things down. But what I would say is that's the caveat of getting it when you're in active labor, because mm -hmm. the idea with early labor, so prior to six centimeters, your body's trying to figure it out. It's like, oh, I think I'm, no, I'm not in labor, but I'm going to act like I'm in labor and I'm going to dilate mm -hmm. a little bit. And then like, actually I'm going to wait a full day before I hit that six centimeter mark. Right. And so when you go in earlier and you get the earlier epidural, first of all, you limit movement earlier on. And so, yeah, I mean, does position of the baby help labor? Absolutely. We want baby to tuck their chin. We want them coming down directly into the pelvis, not crooked. And then we want them rotating in a way that they like twist their way through your pelvis rather than you know, being in another position that can potentially slow things down. Is it still possible to deliver vaginally? Yes, but it can make it more difficult. And so that's where that movement upright positioning, of course, helps baby to get in the right position, helps create space, uses gravity. But for me, that is especially important in early labor before six centimeters, because you're a little bit more tolerable, you're up and you can be moving a little bit more. And then once you hit six centimeters, your body does is your body's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's have a baby. And you would expect for your cervix to change regularly after that. Before that, we don't really care how long it takes. Okay. So you hit that six centimeter mark, you got your epidural, your body's decided we're good. Sometimes there's that initial like relaxation where everything just kind of like, huh, including your uterus. And so you have your contraction space out a little bit. And then if you give it time, you set the mood, you still do all like the privacy safety stuff. Then most of the time they're going to pick back up. But it's when you get it before the point where your body's like, yeah, I'm on the freeway, that it's like, oh, well, they already were sort of spaced out. And now we've slow, we've relaxed the body even more that sometimes you need, you need some pit. 
Um, you know, I, I would argue the nurse in me would say like, you have an epidural, you're not going to know the difference in terms of sensation of contractions, whether or not you have Pitocin or not. And that's usually people's biggest aversion is the fact that it does make, make the contractions more intense. Um, but if you, if you have an epidural, you're not feeling them anyway. Well, I think think like for me back to, you know, like Amelia's birth, like, you know, I was on the pit, I told you. And like, for me, that was super intense and I couldn't personally handle it and then being, and then, then being on that and feeling that way and feeling awful, then being moved over to the epidural a little bit after I felt not only slowed things, but for me, it halted things. Mm -hmm. So of course there's a correlation of fear when it comes to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I get put in that position again, you know, then what? Then what? You know, what's it going to be and what's going to happen? And so I think that in that sense, trying to work through my head. Obviously, I know everything can change and things can happen, but in my mind, I'm like, I'd be better off starting natural and seeing how long I can be that way. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, thinking about because I kind of felt even though of course it was my choice per se, mm-hmm. I still felt like forced into it once mm-hmm. I was at, you know, Los Robles, you know, like they were very persistent about, you know, well, you're at six and you're really not moving and, you know, we're just kind of staying here. And so, you know, and they had me laying down, you know, on the bed, I wasn't, you know, free movement anymore. And it was like all hooked up. And I think that too, that feeling, because I've told you this even just like, you know, we've texted and stuff. I don't do well feeling restrained. Like it's just yeah. not the first I mean, who, who does? Right, exactly. You know? But I think for people like myself who get anxiety about feeling yeah. restrained, yeah. you like go, you know, to get like, you know, dead disappointment in there, like, you know, mm-hmm. have you down the chair a certain way. Like there's just certain things that different people yep. have always been that like way. Like kind of triggering. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that way. So I think for me, like it's like, okay, I don't want to feel that quote unquote like restraint again that I was feeling, you know, with her where I felt like there was no movement, you mm-hmm. know, then once pit came, it was like, I, it was almost like too intense and I had no way of like working through them because I was just laying there. And then mm-hmm. it was like, after an hour, it was like, okay, she's having like really not having much more of a speed up and now she's having a really hard time handling these. So now she goes on the epidural. So I think that's the way my brain is working through from that yeah. into, yeah. yeah. Well, and what I would say to that is that, that you have your doula. And if I was there with you, I would, I would say like, you're, what's the, what's the deal? You know, I would be probably a little more therapeutic than that, but basically <laughs> like you identify I'm here, I can't cope. I'm stuck in the bed. Then get up. Then let's get you up because then like that, that fixes that, that breaks that cycle. I think also thinking about for you for a VBAC that we know that there's certain triggers, there's going to be triggers throughout this labor potentially. And so to be aware that, you know, if that conversation were to arise or if they were to say, you need to stay in bed, that that may be something that you're like, ah, ah, I, and it, it just becomes a vicious cycle. And so for your doula and your partner to be very aware of some of those things to break the cycle, this is not last time let's get you up. Let's do the opposite of what you did last time to break that, like the thought process that you have in your head, you know? Um, but I think to identify, and that's the pause that I was kind of mentioning before that like your care team is very aware that if something new to do, or or even not even new, just to do regular check-ins, how we doing, where's your head at? 
and you're very open of being like, oh, actually I'm forced to think about it. Cause you get in labor land in your head and you're like, not really thinking about anything. And so you're like, well, actually I'm, I'm feeling really restrained and restricted and I, I hate it. I hate it. It's causing so much anxiety and I don't like this experience. Whoa. Great. Let's get you up. Let's do something else. Let's turn on the water. What about getting in the bath? Like all of a sudden it's like, you don't know what you can ask for. This is what I see all the time with my clients is you don't know what you can ask for until you know what you can ask for. And so to, to lean on your people, particularly I'd say your doula, but mostly your nurses even to say, is this an option? And that's a great way to frame it when you're worried about like tiptoeing around, like, you know, I'm feeling this, is this an option? And mind you, it, it, everything's an option. Just so you know, this is just strategy of working with your care team. Um, you know, or like the blood pressure cuff is left on your arm and you're feeling like, why is this, why is this on me? I don't have an epidural. Like they just left it on me. Ask if you can take it off or just take it off and they'll come in and be like, Oh, I need another blood pressure. You're like, okay, great. Because I know I want you to keep me safe. I want you to make sure that I don't have preeclampsia brewing or something, or I'm not hypotensive, but otherwise I'm going to take the blood pressure cuff off, you know, or ask, does this need to be on all the time? And they'll be like, Oh no, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm free. Right. You know? So I think it's stepping into your voice even more than before and being hyper aware that for, and I would say even your care team would be hyper aware to do regular check-ins. That goes for anybody listening to this, that that psyche piece is so incredibly important to say, how are we doing? How are you holding up? Where's your head at? You know, do a quick mental health check-in. Are we feeling comfortable? Are you feeling safe? What can I do to make you feel more safe and secure? You know, and forcing that thought. And then you go, you know what? I really feel like that window is so bright. It's just like making me squint and I can't think of anything else. And if you think about it, we're like, oh, okay, let's turn, let's shut the shades. Right. <laughs> like right. such simple things can make such a difference, yeah. you know? And that's where it's finding your voice, recognizing everything's within you already that you don't need anyone else, Allie. You don't, you can do this alone if you had to. And thank God that's not, an, that's not what you're facing. And that may be what some of you are facing. And ultimately I say this to my clients all the time. I'm like, look, if I lose you, I lose you. I can be your coach and I can give you suggestions and I can say, look into my eyes right now. We are not losing it. We're going to do this together and breathe with me. And you're ha. Huh, and I, you know, that's where the moaning and groaning and eye contact stuff comes in even virtually. But if you close your eyes and look away and go, no, I can't. Oh my God. I've lost you. I can't force you to do anything or to cope or to stay, stay in present in the moment either. That is entirely you. Right. And as hard as labor is, but also how potentially empowering labor is that you get to make that decision. And when you have those doubts or when you're like, I don't know if I can do this, that's where your support team steps in and says, look at me right now. You're a beast. Don't even go there. Don't let your mind go there. You are safe. You have everything you need here right now. And you're going to power through this one at a time. That's all you got to do. One more at a time. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's so true. I, think that's, I don't know that necessarily takes any of that away. Yeah. Um, no, it does. I mean, I think that what you said about the affirmation of the, like for anyone listening, like of the, I am safe and I, you know, I have everything I need within me. I think that's a really good point because, you know, you do like, I mean, remember with, you know, my first birth, like feeling that empowerment before everything else had happened. And like, you do feel like, you know, you are kind of 
the the vehicle, if you will, because you are you're you're the vessel for your baby, and so you know it does make sense that you say you have everything within you, and I think that's a a good message for any pregnant you know mama listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. Well, and I and I, and I I think that's what is probably the hardest for me right now is like mm-hmm. knowing that. I have been empowering myself, as you know, from the get-go, going to the chiropractor since like eight, nine weeks, Dr. Annie, you know, finding a doula that, you know, was involved in VBACs originally because she was going to be there physically and had been around, you know, successful VBACs, found Stacy at, you know, 15 or so weeks, you know, all these things, Dr. Brock, my OB, who's, you know, VBAC king in LA and like known for doing them like nothing, all these things that like set myself up, like you said, essentially. And I think it's like bringing myself back to, I'm still set up. I've been empowering myself. I've been telling myself this is going to happen. It will happen. But because of all the other stuff around me and all the noise and anxiety and everything else, it's been adding to that fear and all these layers of, well, if I get put in this position and then this person, you know, and I don't have this support and all those things, that's where my mind starts to like run wild. Right, right. Well, and that just brings it back to exactly what you said of you've done the work to set yourself up and you've done the work to even educate and empower and surround and like even this conversation of like, I am safe. I have everything I need in me. And if that's what you say on every exhale that gets you to the end, then that's what you say, you know? Right. But not all is lost, Ali. And that's what I keep telling my clients. That's what I keep telling all of the communities that I'm a part of for birth. Like, not all is lost. There are, there are things. Yep. And grieve them. And yet, like, also there's an element of like, there's only so much you can do. And the fear of getting COVID, you know, you can look back and go, you know what? I washed my hands <laughs> and I stayed away from sick people and I you know, disinfected things. And I did the best I could. And guess what? You get COVID, that's life. You know, COVID is the analogy for life that like, guess what? You lose your job, you lose your job. And it's, it's your response to the adversity that really is the test of character and really provides you with either you choose to grow and be better, or you choose to let it completely take over you. And that's to me, the opportunity we have in life, but also, especially with all of the losses with this pregnancy stuff, not all is lost. You are, you still have a hospital to go to, let alone, like you're not being stuck at, like there was somebody that early on was like, I'm looking at having to free birth at home because there isn't going to be space in the hospital. And like, you're not facing any of that. So that's where to me, it's like ending it all with gravity, gratitude so sorry. There's a quite the car outside my house. <laughs> you can hear that. I'm like, whoa. Um, ending it all with gratitude and really coming back to what am I so grateful for that still is maintained in my life? Even though there's losses, grieve the losses, talk through that. Not saying to disregard your feelings, but that ultimately like we still have so much to be grateful for. There are still things that can be maintained. You will still have a positive birth memory. You will get your V back. We'll just keep saying, you know what I mean? That like, and you're able to flex and flow because even if you were at a home, say in a home birth, we don't know what your body's going to do. We don't know what your labor's going to do. It could still result in the same thing or it could not. And so that's where like, until you've been presented with the catastrophe, it's like, we have to break those cycles of anxiety because anxiety, in fact, I just did a session with Alyssa Berlin on my YouTube channel. Oh yeah. Well, mental yeah. health and anxiety, which I think would be probably very helpful for you. 
And we talked about ways to let, let you have to recognize when the cycle starts because it's like the snowball that this, well, but okay, I, I, I have a provider. Well, but what if that provider's sick? Well, but what if that provider this, what if the hospital this, like all the well, buts turn into this just like big, huge scenario that doesn't even exist. <laughs> You know, and now you've just completely worked yourself up into a, into a tizzy when what exists right now, you have an amazing provider, you have an amazing partner, you have an amazing hospital support team, you have access to resources, you have, you have the knowledge inside of you, you have been empowering yourself, you have a healthy baby in there, like, that's what we know. And we know you'll go to the hospital, right now you don't have COVID, so you're not going to get COVID, and if you do, we'd cross that bridge when you got there, and you have your perfect little baby and you come home and snuggle and you're out the other side and you go, wow, I was anxious for what, you know? And clearly like if something comes up, that's when the flex and flow happens. Say, All right, this isn't what I planned for. But until we've hit the, the what ifs, well, buts like, okay, prepare yourself for them. Understand what those could be. So they're not a shock in the face, but otherwise we're not there yet. So focus on what you do have, and you still have so much that you can maintain in this situation. No, that's, I think that's really good advice for myself and obviously uh, all pregnant mamas that are feeling, because I think, you know, I think that the fear and anxiety is probably a number one thing for most pregnant mamas right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I would say like most of the population right now, oh, yeah. oh, like I, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about like the mental health state of the, the world. <laughs> I yeah. was concerned about it before, but now I'm like particularly concerned. I, oh, I know. That's a very big, you know? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, we all need to keep ourselves accountable and to focus on gratitude and understand how to upregulate and downregulate our nervous systems, which is like a whole other thing that is <laughs> has to do with anxiety, you know? Grounding exercises. We talked about that in a YouTube epi- in the YouTube episode of like some tangible ways to cut the cut the cycle. Right. Um, so I, I mean, that's my encouragement for you is that you really, really be intentional about recognizing the cycle, being focusing on what you you can control and not. I mean, mind you, this sounds almost exactly like the last time, right? I'm like, I see some themes, Um, but that you focus on what you can control and you, and you choose to let go of the rest and you get to choose what emotion you attach to a situation. So it can be, it can be the worst thing ever, this coronavirus thing, or it could be really hard and I'm going to do my best to make the most of it. Right. You know, and that is a choice. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, I mean, that is a choice and that's, that's, uh, that's true. And I, and I feel like, you know, overall, with just like every day being home and everything, like I do do that and I do practice gratitude. And I just think mm-hmm. that obviously the hormones and the emotions and the fact yeah. that we're so close to giving birth, it's just very real. Yeah. It's very real. It's very mm-hmm. intense and it gets more intense by the day. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. Which is just an alert for your body to say, you know what? I want to be extra intentional to keep doing the things I'm doing. I mean, I'm seeing you taking baths and even taking naps and saying like, I need to push our podcast today. You know, I, I fell asleep and I, I needed that for my own soul, like prioritizing your needs, prioritizing your family, really working on being really connected with yourself and your baby and your partner and you know, the people around you. And that ultimately is what's going to play the most role in setting up your hormones for that labor too. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's, 
I think that's a really, really good advice. And then I, you know, I appreciate you giving me personal, uh, you know, coaching and advice. <laughs> I know that. they got the insider scoop. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I mean, and then also I wanted to like, you know, for all pregnant mamas, like for that, you know, are kind of getting ready for, um, you know, their delivery. What are some things, are there any changes in your opinion, as far as things to prep for or hospital bag packing changes or anything that like, you know, you would say is like tips that, you know, we should be thinking about in this time versus, Mm -hmm. you know, our, what was our normal, I guess. Right. Right. Um, so I actually have a, an hour and a half class that I just released today that is all of that. Oh, okay. FYI. So if people want more, I'm like, we could talk for a whole nother hour and a half, but I'm going to give you like my, my yeah, big, okay. yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. So, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would say, first of all, asking about visitor policies, visitor policies is the biggest thing, the biggest change, the biggest hardship, how many people are allowed in general right now, the trend is one. I think for people delivering in June, July, maybe even May, some places there that may change. I'm hopeful that I'll be allowed in my sister's birth. Um, don't get me started because I, <laughs> I melt down very quickly about it. Um, so there's that. The visitor policy is staying up to date on that. I think if you're planning on nitrous oxide, using nitrous oxide for pain relief, if you're a hospital or birth center, whatever offers that, that has been pulled in general from an option as far as like what options you have in the hospital because there's the potential for aerosolizing the secretion. Uh-huh. So it's like if you are, are carrying it, it can make the, the COVID into the air uh-huh. and then therefore be more infectious. Uh-huh. Um, so they've, they've removed that from most places. So if you're really leaning on your nitrous oxide to get you through, that may no longer be an option. I would say expecting that you, you mentioned testing. Some places are testing. Cedars isn't testing anymore. They did for like a week and then they, they pulled okay. it because they weren't finding that many positive cases. Um, so they may or may not test you. If you are tested, they will take at least a temperature for sure of you, but I also your partner. I get temperature checks when I go over my Right, doctor. right. Like it's, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they'll take that. If they do the testing, it's like a really skinny Q-tip that goes all the way up your sinus, like it to the point where you're like, kind of wincing in your eyes water a little bit in and out in move around and out like up to you know where like your glasses would fall on your nose it's it's in there yeah yeah so it's uncomfortable but you kind of like wince your face and then it's over and send it off to the lab um if they're testing they may make you wear a mask if they're not testing and you don't have symptoms they may not make you wear a mask typically though you can expect them to be wearing masks at this right. point yeah that you know? makes sense for sure um, but if you're under investigation you have symptoms or you're positive clearly like you're going to have to wear a mask in labor right um now mind you that's only when they're in the room so if they come out of the room pull it under your chin breathe like that as far as what to bring, I'm telling people quick answer is, and I have a whole hospital packing list for Corona PS in this class, but, um, is no linens. Like normally I'd say like, if you have a nice pillow or a soft blanket or something that makes you feel nice and cozy, just skip it. Anything that can absorb anything, including germs. We want to be able to, whatever you bring, be easily wipeable or cleanable versus like, I don't know, like a pillow. You know, you don't have to throw your washing okay. machine. Um, and then, I mean, help at home. 
that's another big one. I mean, we didn't even talk about postpartum for all the people that are needing help at home and visitation and whatnot that like expect to quarantine for 14 days yeah. after being in the hospital and not having visitors. And if you're having visitors, like the compromise I've made is that if you've been there and then you come, you come home that whoever you're having come, they also have to quarantine for those 14 days. And then you probably could be together. Um, so that's a way around the whole like parents or whatever. Um, also there's, there's so many online options. Even now, like we just actually launched postpartum help. So I have a postpartum nurse that's doing online virtual care and help for, for families, you know, that like, if you need help, reach out, you are not alone. And isolation is a choice. We have so many options right now for breastfeeding support, Goldilocks. I know. You yes, know of course. Well. I, my I love them. Yep. You know, and, and, but everybody's doing virtual. So if you are in crisis, if you're, and I would say even before you hit crisis, <laughs> that if you're starting to spiral, if you're not doing okay, if you're needing help, there are so many resources available. You, this is not a time to suffer. This should be the happiest time of your life. Right. So reach out to those support people and we're all learning new skills and improvising. And honestly, I feel like there are certain things that now I have options for, or I can do now that I wasn't able to do before. That's only going to benefit my clients in the future. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely a, a, people are learning how to connect virtually and yeah. technology on a way new level. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and you'll give me all those links. I'll put them in the show notes. So people need yeah. Yeah, I can do support that. for postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that, uh, that's definitely obviously very important, especially, um, yeah. as it may, you know, feel shifted from everything going on. Totally. Um, is there anything else? I know we got like, we got real, we got really real and real intense. Is there <laughs> anything else you'd want to share with my audience? Um, just as far as, you know, anything, as far as what's going on, anything, uh, as far as your own, you know, gems that you always a share that you'd want them to take away, you know, whatever, whatever you want to leave us with Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think just back to what I've hope you've hopefully heard the message you've heard throughout today is to like, pick up what you can and then let go. Like, don't let coronavirus rob you of something that should be so beautiful and impactful and connected and, and, memorable and fill in the blank with whatever word that your dream is for your birth experience. That so quickly, this can just completely make us a whole new person. And you look back and all you remember is how horrible it was to deliver in the time of Corona. And that to me is like, I want to be the alerter. (laughs) That's like, let's not do that. Educate yourself, know what to expect set realistic expectations because it's one thing to think that like certain things are going to happen when like they're not an option, you know, like you'll see people in masks. Okay. You know, but like those little things that all of a sudden they start to become a little more familiar. They start to get a little bit more comfortable. And then again, for you guys, I would say is to not make decisions out of fear, make them out of education and knowing that like you've had all sides that you have people in your corner that are not there to manipulate the conversation. They're there to like truly help you make an informed choice that's best for you and your family. That this does not have to be, coronavirus does not have to be a all we see on the news 24 seven in our heads that like limit yourself from the news and connect with your partner, connect with your baby, do some self care, step away. I know for me, I was obsessed for like the first couple of weeks and I didn't feel like it was affecting me, but now like, I'm doing crafts 
like, you know, like rarely I've been working very hard, but also like, I mean, I crafts meaning like making sewing masks for instance, like, and that's not something I would ever take time to do, but like, I'm refiguring out my sewing machine and I'm not thinking about coronavirus while I'm doing that, you know, or playing with your daughter and taking that time away from social media to truly just to set everything aside and create your safe, safer at home place where your mindset can really be focused on the positive and on each other and all the things that you still can be grateful for and can maintain. Yeah, no, I think those are great tips and I completely agree with you. And that's what I've been trying to do is really spend the time with Amelia and the bonding of the three of us that we wouldn't have had, you know, had this not happened and, you know, all this special time together before, you know, baby girl arrives and changing to a family of four and all those things. Um, And so I have been like, you know, looking for, those silver linings. And this is a really good reminder for myself and anyone else listening to continue to do that. And especially through your pregnancy or if you're getting close into delivery to really keep that mindset um, and to not let it rob you. And and so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. You're very welcome. My honor to be given the opportunity to speak into your life and remind you of your strength and your power that is there. And that when you have doubts and anxieties for your labor and birth, that you, that, that none of that is allowed in. It's like you cut the lies with truth. And the truth is that you are powerful. You are strong. You have everything you need. You are safe. You are in control. You're making all of the decisions for yourself. Nothing is being forced upon you. And so to be able, I mean, this is what I, I love this ish, you know, (laughs) given the opportunity to you know, speak to you, but then also for others. As you're saying, oh, she's like, right, mom. Yes. I'm fist pumping Sarah for all of those truths because I believe it. It's true. And I'm with it. So thank you for, you know, always reaching out and always, you know, providing that for your audience as well. Of course. No, I mean, I told you like, Everyone loved your last episode. I knew I had to have you back. I planned on having you back after the baby, but I was like, you know what? We're in a really <laughs> time. Yeah. Right now and, you know, give some, Always. gave some, you know, positive light to all of this for so many mamas and myself. So thank you. Obviously it's all going to be in the show notes, but go ahead and plug yourself. Tell us where we can find you. All <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am on YouTube. You can just look up Sarah with an H LaVon or just childbirth education. Um, and I usually come up and then I'm bundle birth at Instagram. Otherwise bundlebirth.com. Yes. And if you guys search basically literally anything, uh, bundle birth, you'll find yeah. everything under mm-hmm. Sarah, everything she does. The VBAC class she talked about, we'll put in the show notes, you know, mm-hmm. all the YouTubes that she shares that I've watched religiously, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all the different tips and everything. And, you know, her classes also that she does offer, mm-hmm. especially right now during this time with all the virtual support. So thank you yeah. so much, Sarah. I adore you. Oh, thank you for having me so much. It was so great to chat with you and have this conversation. Same. And until uh, next time, guys, cheers. Yeah. Bye.